Welcome to the Edgy Tech Me podcast. This episode is produced by Ben Newsom, Suzette Bailey, Carrie Benedet, and Jonathan Shack. And yes, I am an AI introducing each episode. Welcome to another episode of Edgy Tech Me AI for the masses. It's all about our chats, um, all about AI and being au fait with it, learning about the possibilities of using artificial intelligence. And none better to discuss it today, but we welcome Suzette Bailey. How are you, Suzette? I'm great. How about yourself, Carrie? <laughs> well, it's a brand new year. 2022 is, is on its way and we're nearly through January. We've also got Jonathan Shack with us. So, Shacky, how's the West today? I believe uh, the West you're... is warm, but uh, we're hanging in there. I, I heard that. I heard that. Scorching. Scorching in Western Australia. Yes. And, of course... Um, the inimitable uh, Ben Newsom from PhysEd. So, um, so how are you, Ben? The well, thanks, Carrie. Ben. Yeah, yeah, it's good. The schools are nearly finished. The school, yeah, so it feels like the school's nearly finished. It's probably a, almost a, a Freudian slip considering what's going on. But it is on its uh, no, it's about to kick off, and uh, really looking forward to it. Carrie Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> well. One of the um, articles that took my fancy recently, and of course we've all had a bit of a break. Um, somebody said this morning um, in, a, in a meeting that you know Australia doesn't really get going till after Australia Day, and um, that's the case in the West. <laughs> other parts of the world, that's not the case, um, and so our you know we, we're a, a, a global podcast as well. So, but this article um, really took my fancy, and it's a great topic because it's. Great for schools because we teach environmental education, particularly in the sciences. Uh, we're looking at iSTEM, at at how we can use um, any type of AI to increase the learning opportunity. And so, this particular article is all about a partnership between Microsoft, Kakadu National Park here in the top of Australia, a um, well-known national heritage area, and our Indigenous. Um, brothers and sisters who have a care of the land in around Kakadu. And so this particular article is, is showing us what has been done to actually look at ethical sustainability and data collection at the same time and how we manage that for longevity of endangered species, for care of the land, and um, it's just a beautiful topic. So I've just got Photo, you know, images of Kakadu, magnificent water, of course, in the wet when everything fills up. Um, but this particular article just talks about how the use of AI and the, in particular the use of drones to capture research, to capture the information about the climate, about the land, about the species um, in a way that's um, really empowered by AI to, to, to do this. So a good news story. And I know some of you some of you have also had a look at this as well. So um, some main thoughts, Ben, what, what's coming up for you about this? In Kakadu is huge. I know I've never been there, but if you, you look at any map, it's not a small place. It, it, it's and remarkably well world renowned for it, you know, its diversity of species. And frankly, it's just a cool place. I want to go there one day. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's a big place. So if you're trying to manage a site like that, I mean, trying to deal with that at the granular level, like trying to get away from satellites and, and knowing that it's so huge, just trying to mm. deal with that with just the sheer amount of people walking the earth, trying to make it happen. It's not going to work. The drone idea is a really smart idea, but like the article talks about, that's a lot of hours of footage. 
<laughs> so, so many things. It'd be rather tedious to pour through that. And I'm sure you could get some work experience kid to do it, but <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, so, I mean, the employment of AI to sift through this and then produce the data in a visual way, I think that really, really works. I mean, Suzette, what are your thoughts on this? Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think this is, it's the other aspect of it too, is even if you go through all of that footage, there's no guarantees that you're not actually uh, duplicate, you know, counting the same geese twice that have moved and things like this. So I think the AI is also really good at being able to discern differences between you know, very similar objects, which us as humans aren't necessarily good. But Kerry, you missed one really big science, um, big partner in it, which was CSIRO, the National Australian oh. Science Partner. So I did. CSIRO, oh my gosh, how could I do that? I was so excited about telling you about it. I forgot to tell you about the CSIRO um, input as well. It's a fantastic partnership and a great model for, for other national heritage areas around the world as well. Oh, Suzette, thanks so much. What a goose I am. <laughs> hey, oh, a magpie goose, goose perhaps. Uh, <laughs> it was about. So go ahead, Suzette. Good pick up, Suzette. Thank you. CSIRO um, aspect is that, it, that all of this footage and uh, evaluation of AI is then being based on real scientific principles as well. So they're not now being able to ingest and pro, um, process huge amounts of footage that, you know, just as hu us as humans just couldn't handle, but also being able to tie that back into being able to look at strategies for improving mm -hmm. the wetlands. Uh, and I think they they talked about in 2018, there were 80 this magpie geese and now there's over 2000 that they've been out of record so they can tie it back into their their research and the other big thing that came stuck out for me in this particular article was um the data the the sovereignty of being very aware of the cultural issues so we've got the balance of the scientific requirements and the the value of the heritage listed site but balancing that with the cultural issues that the actual aboriginals and indigenous owners of the land and being able to have the the, the, the same mm. information that's being captured by the AI and processed by the AI segregated into three areas. Uh, what's only available for the 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 land, um, the indigenous owners themselves, what's available to the researchers, that's why I mentioned about CSIRO because there's a very big component of it. Um, and the third one, which is that what would be what information would be then publicly available as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great partnership model, yeah. I thought that point you made about the, the sovereignty is extremely important, Suzette, because it struck me when I was scanning the article of uh, the juxtaposition between an ancient culture and the cutting edge of science and by bringing the two together and the knowledge base of the Indigenous people about the land it goes way beyond any of our, even our best scientists because it's, 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 it's innate almost but huge knowledge from a human perspective. And so I think they'll be able to inform the science for the collection of data far better than any paternalistic sort of view of the environment. Well, it got um, me thinking that the, um, I mean, as the article like you spoke to, other national parks can emulate this, but this can go into state forests, trying to look at logging areas and doing it in a sustainable way rather than just straight up clear felling the place. You can look at it from a drought tolerance uh, of crops or whatever it is. Incorporating video footage is, you know, kind of handy because it's the real data. It's the real thing. It's, you just happen to be not walking there. But that's, be able to get the information 
uh, at scale really can transform things. And I was even thinking about what, what does that mean? Uh, I mean, God, even just going fly, fly, fly out, out there, thinking about, well, we, are, we finally had uh, last year a, a little helicopter fly on Mars of all places. Uh, really hard to do. NASA will totally speak to that. But can you imagine the, uh, you know, if you've got this flying around using AI to then consume that data as well, especially got lots of them. I don't know. It's, it's, it's rather endless. If you've got a large expanse of land or sea, yeah. Yeah. interesting. Very, very. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine Galapagos Islands, um, Amazon, any anywhere, Antarctica or Arctic, um, any, anywhere, even areas around volcano eruptions. Imagine our, the recent uh, volcano eruption in, Tong in Tonga last just last week in the or Pacific Ocean. Out of the sea. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk and we mm. do exercise our brains about, you know, saving forests for oxygen produ production, if yeah. nothing else. But the, the oceans actually produce more oxygen for the planet than the, the landmass does. Yeah. So we need to be, you know, caring for seagrass and for corals and those sorts of things as well. And AI, you know, just doesn't need to fly necessarily fly in the air. It could actually fly under the water as well. These robots and whatever, and collect that data, you uh, know, in, in a way that just we haven't even been able to approximate. The other thing with all of this too is. Um, we've talked about even a point in time review of, you know, Ben, you mentioned about the, you know, sort of the um, students being going through the footage wouldn't be very particularly fun and all that. And but the thing with it is that the other, this type of technology and the use of robots and, and drones coupled with the AI um, processing the footage from those means that you can now get time series data. And over time, you can see the impact positively and negatively. Are you actually, in the case of Kakadu, there's been a positive impact of the programs that CSIRO has been doing with them. But conversely, you could also see if there is uh, felling of, of trees in a particular land, how does that affect the actual erosion and all of that in that particular region or these sort of things. And getting that historical data over time, I think is going to be really powerful. Mm. Uh, a lot of capture of uh, data from taking you know sort of soil samples and things like that but that only says so much having this actual footage and the analysis of that and how things topographically change over time I think is going to be really really powerful oh that, that's so important Suzette I don't know if any of you saw that um, time-lapse footage of the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone Park no it, it actually changed the environment back to what it used to be because it, it put back in one of the key predators which had been eating some of the deer with the deer not being eaten. They were eating the trees and then the beavers didn't have the trees to cut down for their dams and, and the rivers changed their course. But once they brought wolves back into the park, it all changed back to somewhat what it was before in a positive way. And if you can get that in time um, lapsed photography collected by drones, you could write that story large for an area like Kakadu and, and other places. Mm -hmm. Because, um, again, if you take two points um, and try and make an argument, you're going to be knocked down on one of the points or the gap in between. But when you have time-lapse photography, it's hard to argue. Well, there'd be great discussion around the, the wild horses up in uh, Kosciuszko National Park as well. And it's very, very topical. Yeah. Um, even though we've got the, you know, the uh, heroic 
man from Snowy River um, sort of legacy that, that we have. Um, but that, that's, you know, you either love them or hate them. But uh, if you could see the time, like you could see the, the destruction or the addition or the return. Yes. Of... You, see the, you see the impact. And yes. ultimately, that's really important because you can then make an um, de informed decision around is the impact what you actually want, but also what actual um, pro, um, actions that you take to um, address or to um, in, in actually take advantage of that particular impact, mm. you can see it very quickly. So you can respond faster. So decision-making, this is all goes back into decision-making long-term and that's um, around the man land management, wildlife management. There's a whole, it, it opens up whole areas that were just, were just unavailable previously without AI and um, robotics and, and uh, drones. I, I think the kicker for me is it's a partnership between humans for the benefit of the globe, benefit of the world, um, and sustainability of, of all things that are going to be good for the generations that follow us. But it's really about human-centred interaction, isn't it? Using the AI as a tool um, to, to actually get the best research data in, to get the most the best intel, so to speak. Thank you so much for the conversation today, everybody. If you'd actually, listeners, if you'd like to know where to get that article from, just pop on to um, climateleaders.org and you'll find um, some of the case studies that Microsoft's put up there. And that's where you'll find that one about Kakadu because I've got to say nearly everybody in Australia and around the world knows that word Kakadu and knows the area, the magnificent area that, we, that we've been entrusted with. So great conversation. Thanks, Suzette, Ben and Jonathan, uh, Carrie Benedette signing off this week. Um, hope you enjoyed our episode of Edutech Me. And if you did, give us a little bit of love. Share it with those on your favourite uh, socials. Um, it's only together can we have the discussion that makes it more robust and more entertaining and interesting. Peaks the curiosity. Have a great week. Bye for now. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Edgy Tech Me podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to get notified about new episodes.